Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network, and the Tennessee Power Hour is here. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Great catching up in the first hour with John McBride here at Blackbird Studios. And a lot to hit over the next hour with a lot going on right here in the mid-state and across the state where the Vols are in practice, the Titans are in camp, but off today. They'll be back at it tomorrow. A lot of discussion points to be had. And uh, because the Titans are off today, PK is in studio today instead of joining us uh, from the practice facility at this time. Enjoying so, Paul, the air conditioning. Uh, yes, for sure, for sure. Let's start with, with the Titans uh, for a moment. Uh, and we, we can go big picture here too. But I was, uh, we discussed in the, in the warm-up, Paul and I did some local radio this morning, and one of the topics that John Burton and Greg Pogue brought up with me on WNSR was... What, there are very high expectations for Titans fans in this team, as there should be, right? The question is, how high are the expectations really? And I, and I said, look, barring injury, how do they lose the division? As, it, as you just, like, in my mind, conceptually, barring the catastrophic injury of Ryan Tannehill or Henry or whatever, how do they lose the division right now? as it's shaped up. And with that in mind, consider where that would put them in the playoff seating. Well, they should win the division. Should, but, I, but like, how right. do they not? Well, uh, the scenario for them not winning the division is that the um, the return timetable for Wentz okay. is very good. It's on the five weekend, not the 12 weekend. Same for Quentin Nelson. And, uh, and or, uh, and then Wentz plays well. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't high on the Colts anyway. Or that whoever's subbing for Wentz, Eason, is at the head of that line, plays well beyond expectations. Also, the Colts could be a defensive slash run the ball football team that plays efficiently in that method. Jonathan Taylor mm -hmm. runs the ball very effectively. The Colts play very good defense. They're opportunistic. Uh, they score some defensive touchdowns. They play good special teams. They play tight games. Uh, they have a season like the Titans had last year where they go 7-2 and two in one-score games. Um, and the Colts are a pesky team that has found a way to beat the Titans in years past. And they win the division by one game over the Titans. Um, they sweep the Titans instead of splitting with the Titans. Or something happens like that. And the Titans don't play up to expectations necessarily in a couple key games. And they lose... Um, their games to the wrong teams, the Colts being one of them. Uh, they get picked off once by the Jags or the Texans in a divisional thing that hurts them. Mm -hmm. And then they, they, uh, they say sweep the NFC but lose to the, to the Bills or the Browns in a way that hurts them in the AFC. Um, and so things shape wrong. That happened to them a couple of years ago, right? Uh, in, in the year that they went to the AFC Championship game, the way their, their losses unfolded was bad for them in tie-breaking scenario. Yeah, uh, and just 
thinking through it, and, and coaches would hear what I'm asking and be like, yeah, you're ridiculous. Like the, it, the week-to-week struggle in the NFL is massive no matter who you're playing. I understand that. Um, I also understand that across the, the league, I can't name another team offense uh, offensive setup where you have the best running back in the league, two elite wide receivers, one of them a future Hall of Famer, both number one options in any offense across the league, and then a quarterback that's highly underrated from the 30,000-foot view that there is a confidence level in Tannehill that he is going to do that week in and week out. It's not... Is it going to be good Tannehill or bad Tannehill? Is it going to be uh, Tannehill 13 for 18 passing, or is it going to be Tannehill 34 for 43? Either way is a winning formula for this Titans offense. I can't help but think that Todd Downing should be in the head coach discussion after this season. That's how high this bar is, and that's plus, what he's inheriting. And I don't think I'm over-exaggerating that aspect Plus of it. an offensive line that should be a quality yes. group that gets its best player back yes. healthy in Taylor Lewan and should care. Last year it was depleted at that spot, went too deep, went three deep, had to give a lot of help, blocked for a 2,000-yard rusher, Kept Ryan Tannehill upright. What did he get sacked? Maybe 26 times, I think. 23 times. 23 and, three, times. and only three while Lawan was in the lineup. And, and he didn't allow a sack. And so that should be a good offensive line. Look, the way the Titans don't play good enough offense to win the division is something goes wrong. Tannehill regresses. Somebody gets hurt. We're leaving the somebody gets hurt thing. Put that's that in obvious. every conversation. That's, 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 the, that's the precursor to every football Everything. discussion, every team. And that's what I was saying to set it up. Goes, something injury. goes awry. Just somebody has a miserable, unexpected season. Tannehill regresses and he plays like he did in Miami. Possibility or, with this or all of a sudden, Derrick Henry uh, just. But he would uh, have to all be hurt carries. to do that. I mean, yeah. that goes back to the injury thing. I well, just. When healthy, those guys... The it's conceivable Derrick Henry Julio hits the Jones, wall Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, expected, right? Taylor Lewan, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry. Those guys aren't going to hit a wall unless they're hurt. It's conceivable Derrick Henry. I'm not saying it's likely, but we're trying now to find what could go wrong. Yeah. Derrick Henry Let's, could hit the, me, the 376 touch wall that guys hit. We think he's going to hit it in two years. He could hit it early. Let me flip side the discussion, though, because we're, we're focused on offense right now. It can't get any worse on defense, right? I wouldn't think they so. They won the division last year with a, the historically worst third down defense since they've kept third down statistics in football. Giving up over 50%. Even if they return the same team, it had to get better. <laughs> I mean, I, and I'm not, I'm not trying to just completely throw the wet blanket no, on not. last year's team, but... They didn't have a clear defensive coordinator. It feels like Shane Bowen's now the clear defensive clear. coordinator. He learned from his mistake. Kevin Byard said repeatedly, we're not well coordinated, which is alarming from your leader on defense. They corrected that. They corrected that. Just with that change alone, not even adding in Jack Rabbit Jenkins and Bud Dupree and Caleb Farley, who's now practicing. And Autry. It's got to be so much better. And so much better is middle of the pack. But even if it's not middle of the pack, it's still going to be better. And I'm talking law of averages here a bit, but what do you think to the idea that it can't get any worse on defense? There's no way it's going to be worse on defense. Well, I've talked about regressing to the mean perhaps on the 7-2 seven seven in the 
close games, I think yeah. you regress to the mean on third down, I right? think that's an offensive you thing, though, Paul. Be... That regressing to the mean is what you worry about on offense, what we're right. talking about. Defense, I'm talking about How progressing you to the mean. Progress to the mean, exactly. Yeah. That, that, that's the, the evening down. out, right? On the third downs, you even out. Like, just by yeah. nature, you can't be that bad. You're pulled back towards the middle of the third down rankings. I, I agree with that, which, which could help, quite frankly, offset the regression to the mean of the close games and, and make you in fewer close games conceivably if the offense is doing what it is. But look, we're, I do think there are scenarios that we're not envisioning that could go wrong because everything looks good. And, and, and that there's stuff we're every, not thinking of. I, Some I teams are going to be good that we're not thinking of that are going to be good that are on their schedule. Yeah. That's another thing, right? Somebody's going to be surprisingly good that they're going to lose to that we never foresaw. And it, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say this is Super Bowl or bust because we, while I have those expectations for this particular group, and they do too, you can miss a kick, you can have a bad snap in the playoffs and just things... Untimely fumble. You can miss things, a kick, all right. <laughs> things don't work out in your favor. I'm talking about just where this team sets the bar going into January. And, I think and, and thinking to go deep big into picture, the I don't know how they don't win the AFC Deep South. into the playoffs, and you know you should have two games at home, really. Yeah. Um, but you know that's hard to say. Kansas City, uh, you know, there's only one buy. Well, uh, can the Titans get that buy? That would mean you're the best team in the AFC. I, I think it's going to be difficult to be the best team in the AFC because of Kansas City. And why the of Buffalo. Why the hesitation? Um, not from us. Why the hesitation from the national? view of putting the Titans in the same category. Well, I think, you got an article about that with, with the Tannehill. national view on Tannehill that yeah. I think kind of ties into this. It's this expectation. We're talking about regressing or progressing to the mean. And it, There's this national idea that Ryan Tannehill of the Dolphins is Ryan Tannehill and not Ryan Tannehill of the Titans, which is very odd to me. LaDainian well, just from a, Let's just think about that yeah, from, from the perspective of uh, He's with a different team and a completely different offense with a completely different surrounding cast. So why do people want to think about the Ryan Tannehill early in his career in a worse system with worse surrounding talent? That's just weird to me that people think that right now that he's really the Ryan Tannehill of the Dolphins and not the Ryan Tannehill that we're seeing. And I think that clouds some national perspective yeah. and expectation with the Titans. This ties into something that I say about the media in general and a big beef that I have. It's something I try hard not to do, this unwillingness to say you were wrong, right? And you form an opinion, and then you never kind of revisit your opinion. You stick with it or you ignore it. Ignore that you had it and you just move on. And I had a good conversation with LaDainian Tomlinson. I used the Tannehill piece in this story. I've got a Henry piece, and I've got kind of a game planning against the Titans piece from this conversation still to come. But Tomlinson was in town for NFL Network, uh, and he was very cool to give me a couple minutes as he was leaving. Um, he said that people formulated their opinion on Ryan Tannehill while he was in Miami, and they don't want to say they're wrong. They, they don't want to circle back and say that he's, he's something other than he was in Miami. And if he does it again and again, they'll have no choice. But for right now, they just stubbornly want to stick with the evaluation that they had of Ryan Tannehill out of Miami and don't want to move from that. And I think there's a large degree of that to it. Here's the, let's go through the Tannehill thing a little bit more. Because here's, here's kind of what I wrote, the gist of what I wrote. Like, 
Mike Sando, who's excellent at talking to evaluators around the league, does this quarterback tiers thing, right? He had Tannehill, I think, was it 13th or 16th? I, I, didn't, think middle, it was, I didn't think it was an unfair placement. And he has him tier two, which is the right tier. Tier one guys are guys that just absolutely carry your team no matter what, right? Ryan Tannehill doesn't absolutely carry your team no matter what. But then one of the evaluators says, well, you know, I don't know about Tannehill. He's so reliant on Derrick Henry. Who else are we taking away, uh, you know, your key weapon from? And here's the funny thing, right? You get to tier three guys and they say, if that guy only had a running game, he'd be tier two. So Tannehill's in tier two with the running game and you're blaming him for having the running game. But the tier three guy, you're looking for him to have Derrick. If only he had Derrick Henry, he'd be really good. So I just don't understand it. You want a guy to be good in his system, and Ryan Tannehill's good in his system, and then the holes that you punch in him are, he's really relying on the system. Isn't yeah, that what you want? You want a guy who executes the yes. system, and you want a coaching staff that's smart enough to put him in the right kind of system where he excels. The Titans emphasize his strengths, they downplay his weaknesses, and he wins football games. He's 18-8 and eight as the regular season starter for the Titans. If you don't have Mahomes or Rodgers or Brady, this is exactly what you want. I don't see how you punch holes in it. Amen, Paul, on that. It's just so odd to me. And I, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of the NFL media nationally, they're so reluctant to change an opinion, but you're not changing your opinion. The way I view it, it is you had an opinion of Ryan Tannehill, who was a converted wide receiver turned quarterback in college, who was still a young quarterback at that position. Who was playing Miami, for Adam Gase, who sucked. Who's playing for a franchise at that time that was not good, with not a great supporting cast, and you had an opinion of Ryan Tannehill there. Now you have an opinion of Ryan Tannehill with the Titans. Those could be two completely different things. I'll give a college example. How many college football writers are going back and making fun of Ed Ogeron at Ole Miss now that he's at LSU? He sucked at Ole Miss. He was challenging players to fights in his first team meeting. He was a dumbass. Because he didn't know what he was doing. He was a first-time head coach. He learned from his failures. And I don't think Ed Ogeron is great everywhere, but you know where he's great? LSU, where he won a national title. So how many college national writers are coming back and saying, well, you know, Ed Ogeron, uh, he's just going to be Ed Ogeron again at some point, and it's going to be a big failure because Ed Ogeron is the Ed Ogeron at Ole Miss. He's not. And he's in the perfect spot. So why can't we say the same about a player? Why can't Ryan Tannehill be greatly improved and in a perfect spot for Ryan Tannehill? Just like Ed Ogeron as a coach, he is the perfect LSU coach. Is he winning at the same clip at Mississippi State? Probably not. But he's perfect for LSU. Ryan Tannehill, really good quarterback, perfect for the Titans right now. All these things can be true. And, of course, they'd take Patrick Mahomes if they could have him. It's not like he's untouchable. It's odd that that the excuse for Sam Darnold is Adam Gase, right? Sam Darnold didn't work out because he's paired with Adam Gase. Uh, We'll find out a lot more. Well, yeah, but that's what – I mean, now he's paired with an offensive-minded football team that's, you know, going to use him to his – you know, that's the right. discussion point. And the reason they're allowing for that is largely because of Ryan Tannehill. Football Outsiders at right. least says that. Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback who set the bar for second-chance guys now, like Sam Darnold. Right? That's why you can pin your hopes on a Sam Darnold, because you've seen Ryan Tannehill go and do it. So we have an off day for Titans training camp. Paul's going to give us an assessment of what he's seen thus far. Just an overall broad view of the, the practices, the short gl- glimpse so far, and then maybe where he's 
not seen what maybe he expected, maybe where they're lacking. I know this was a, a topic of discussion amongst some fans and uh, some of your readership recently. We'll dive in a bit further on that and, and find out exactly what the Titans need to pinpoint before they have their first preseason game, which is just around the corner. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. Literally checking Twitter as we come back uh, for the Tennessee Power Hour. We were concerned yesterday. We were discussing the Titans' backup quarterback situation. Matt Barkley has tweeted out that he has signed with the Titans. Um, this from his verified account. Next episode. The next episode I've signed with the at Titans. Um, and Rappaport has retweeted that. So uh, the Titans have Matt Barkley to come in and compete for the backup quarterback position. Uh, along with Logan Woodside and Deshaun Kaiser. Um, and this goes to address yet a, a, another need, a, a depth concern. We, we have always have to preface things by barring some catastrophic injury, and this doesn't solve everything if something happens to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, but at least you get some veteran presence to come in and compete for that backup position uh, with some, somewhat known across the league as, as someone who started some games. And also, uh, someone that will push Woodside maybe better than Kaiser, Paul. Maybe, is that, uh, that is that how you take this? That would be my expectation. I, I don't think you can four quarterbacks very long. It's, it's hard right now for the third guy to get a day's worth of work, right? They rotate the second and the third. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and the guy who's playing third is getting not that many snaps and with not very high-quality people. And should we, we should go ahead and just throw this out there. It, nothing's wrong with Tannehill, right? No. From what you've seen at practice. Not from what I've seen. Okay. Because well, that, that, that's the other question is, is what on the day off, hopefully nothing's wrong with Ryan Tannehill. It's also funny. I, I searched Matt Barkley just to look up information on what he's been up to. Yeah. The top story that pops up is from SI on March 18th that says, Bill's part way with Matt Barkley. Will he retire? <laughs> Was the first question uh, about that. So, you're getting a guy with some experience, which is, I think, a good thing for the Titans. We just had the big discussion yesterday on the status of Logan Woodside as the possible starter if Tannehill goes down. I feel better about this situation if you Matt do. Barkley's an option. You like Matt Barkley? You like Logan Woodside? I like him better than Matt Barkley because he's been with this team for two-plus years and he knows what they're doing. I think Matt Barkley's proven he's not good. I think you can overvalue familiarity with a system a lot of times with guys who just aren't that talented. Well, uh, right, and I think you can overvalue a guy having played in the league when what he's done in the league is crap and what Matt Barkley's done in the league is crap. At least he started. I mean, at least at least it gives you some experience. I'm not saying he's light years better than Logan Woodside. I don't really know uh, with either of them. And it's, it's tough to give a full assessment of, of Logan Woodside also, but at least it's someone that's got some experience that you're yeah, not – it's mean, not complete – Unknown. If you go in with it, now's the time to 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 load up and get a look, right? If you're if you're going to make a move and sign and, and have someone come in and compete for the backup job, now's the time, right? Before uh, you, you get things rolling with preseason games and, and the like. Again, first first thought for me in the middle of camp on August fifth is okay. Did Tannehill do something where he's going to miss some snaps? I'm not saying I know that. Uh, I just that's what I think of when I see a veteran quarterback sign this time of year. Um, two weeks into camp. Uh, beyond that, it also tells me that Deshaun Kaiser is not pushing for the backup job. That's how I read into a signing like this. Presuming no injury. That's Presuming what, no that's injury. That's what I read. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so, Paul, you'll see him tomorrow. 
And uh, all eyes will be on him to start with. Uh, and I would imagine he starts third and tries to work his way up. Uh, the, the other thing I say about the backup quarterback thing and the, the experience thing is, uh, you know, Trevor Simeon was, was somebody that came in with that. And yeah. we, we were very excited at the idea of Trevor Simeon is going to be a, a much better backup, uh, backup option given his experience. Now, that was a was a guy who had played well in the league mm -hmm. for a little while, mm -hmm. at least, before he dropped off. And he came in, fell to third, and they were so uninterested in, in securing Trevor Simeon that they didn't even put him on the weekly protected list as their COVID quarterback. He got taken away, and they just replaced him with, with Kaiser. So... There's a lot of considerations with this last quarterback thing, and, and I tend to think they're all crap. I, I, I mean, all the number threes around the league are – there's just oh, – it's a, it's a churn of guys who are all similarly bad. It's amazing to me that uh, with all the great offensive football being played in the feeder system of the NFL in college – that we can't find 64 solid quarterbacks. We can't find 32. It's amazing to me. When, it, when is the NFL, we see it all the time, the NFL will start to replicate the college game offensively. It's, it's mm -hmm. been happening for years. Yes. So at what point does the NFL replicate the college offensive system enough to where there can be 64 decent quarterbacks that can play in the NFL? And maybe it's just the difference in defenses being so much better and more skilled also, where in college you can put up good numbers against bad defenses at times. But it's odd to me that we can't develop quarterbacks better in both areas, in college and the NFL, that leads you to, boy, there's some really good backup quarterback options out there. Even for a team like the Titans, where you can look around and Matt Barkley's not the best option to bring in to compete for a backup spot, that there's someone better. Well, he's been good enough to be the backup for Josh Allen in the last three years. He's 30 years old, um, and uh, he's provided that depth in Buffalo as the number two quarterback. Uh, he appeared in eight games last year. Uh, he threw for 788 yards, three touchdowns. He completed 55% of his passes over his time in Buffalo. And now they're on to Mitch Trubisky. So right. that, that's how good you have to be to displace... Uh, Barkley, right, and Jake Fromm and Webb Davis are on their roster as well. So, Well, William in the YouTube chat says there are only so many, quote, elite players. I'm not talking about elite quarterbacks. Functional. I get that there You're are six or seven elite right. quarterbacks that you could say yeah, in the Nobody's looking for an elite backup. There's no such thing Someone as Someone who can backup. win you a game, who can go and right. function well as an NFL quarterback and not just someone you look at and say, boy, if that guy goes down, that team is screwed. Look, Mitch I mean, Trubisky, even Jameis Winston right now has become a joke. He's a laughingstock with his workouts and can't get through the, the tackling dummy in, in practice. Huh. This is the number one overall pick at one point, who was a starter in the league, and he's looked at as a bad backup in, Mitch, in certain Mitch circles. Mitch Trubisky it, was what, second or third? He changes scenery now. He qualifies as a quote-unquote good backup. Why? Well, he started for a good while, and now he has a change of scenery. Mm -hmm. He's with some coaches who think we can do things for him that Chicago couldn't do for him. The pressure's off, right? All eyes aren't on him. Josh Allen's one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. This guy can operate in the background. We can straighten him up. And if we're in a jam, this guy will get him in a position where he could come in and, and do. Is there anything definite there? 
Absolutely not. You know, Marcus Mariota is viewed because he came in and played well in a game that he lost as one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. And what do we know will happen to Marcus Mariota if he plays three games for Carr in Las Vegas? He'll get hurt. I say this knowing that defensive coaching in the NFL is better, and, and that's the caveat to all of it. But I do think that NFL coaches could probably do a better job developing quarterbacks. I think there's too much of a throwaway uh, when they get to that level. I think that they could be more creative offensively and, and mesh a system with a quarterback where you have more like guys who can, who can play the position. And I get it. It is quite the job. And there's a reason there's only a select few that are elite at that position, and there's not a lot of humans who can do it. But I feel like there's more out there athletically and mentally that if you had good coaching and a system that worked – you could get more out of more quarterbacks in the NFL than what we're seeing. I think it's trended that direction. I mean, they're doing it in Baltimore with a guy who is very unconventional and limited, and they're a consistent playoff team. Jared Goff went to a damn Super Bowl, and he's not very good. I, I just think when you get into the second quarterback, and these guys put in a ton of work. But I, there needs to be guys. more of those guys. Logan Woodside has had a ton of work. Special Fridays with Arthur Smith where all he's doing is putting in a couple hours every week with Logan Woodside where it's all about Logan Woodside. The investment is there. The talent is just not there. And, Chad, I think the evolution you're looking for has has happened on a grand scale at the front line. I, I just think the talent of the second-tier guys is not good enough. You can transform the NFL game, and they have, and I'm shocked at how much they have, to the front-line guys that are coming out of college. But when you're talking about second-tier guys, it's just too much to ask. Well, if Sean McVay can do what he did with golf, and you can have a good running game, you know, Kyle Shanahan I'd put in that category also. But he lost without Garoppolo. There's they, also they didn't win any games. I, with I think their there's scrubs. a lack Mullins. of creativity at times in the NFL. And not from not from Kyle Shanahan there isn't. I just think it's too easy to say, boy, there's not enough good quarterbacks. Well, find someone that's got the raw materials to do it and mold them. Well, here's the I creativity. Think, I think NFL coaches can do more than here's what they're the, doing. Here's the creativity to a degree. Mike Vrabel in his second game against Houston that we've talked about and raved about. You put Derrick Henry in the shotgun. You say that Gabbert only has to do X, Y, and Z. You have Kevin Byard throw a touchdown pass. Or uh, uh, was it a touchdown pass? It was a touchdown pass. It was a, it was a fake punt. Uh, fake punt. But you have him throw a touchdown pass instead of asking Gabbert to do much. And you shape a game in a very awkward way to defend, coming up with all kinds of wrinkles and stuff because of the limitations you may have at backup quarterback. Yeah, in, in a game, Derrick Henry is the backup quarterback. They go wildcat uh, if, if something happens with Not Tanner. constantly, but on a, on a share of snaps. You're taking as much off the quarterback's plate as is possible, which is yeah. sad. Uh, Paul, give us a sense of what you have seen from Woodside and Kaiser at practice through the first week and a half. I just think Kaiser's very kind of uh, awkward and uh, stiff and not smooth in the decision-making. Woodside's better. Kaiser's got a better arm, but it, uh, I don't think it matters based on the separation between the two. Woodside more confident? Yeah, Woodside looks like a guy who knows what he's doing and can r run the offense. He's, he's a little bit limited with the, with the arm and stuff, but... He's confident. Now, I do think it's funny when reporters are, you know, and, and this is partly uh, because we're still victims of the limited access, which they're doing yeah. the absolute best they can. But when we've got, 
you know, five, six guys in a day and five of them are at the rail and one of them is Woodside and you're working on stories about the receivers, you're going to ask Woodside about the receivers. But when Woodside said, this is the best group of receivers I've ever worked with, <laughs> well, yeah, thanks, Tips. I mean, uh, yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not talking about the college group of receivers you worked with. We know <laughs> that it did include A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. And, uh, you know, uh, that quote is air, <laughs> like the air that you're throwing against when you're throwing only to wide receivers. Um, so I think that the, um, you know, again, this, this move to, to Barkley has got to be either a ding or a move away from Kaiser, I think. And, and conceivably a guy that would put more pressure uh, on Woodside. I don't think Kaiser's applied. Well, what what would have been noteworthy about that quote is if Logan Woodside said, you know, my receiving core at Toledo was a lot better, yeah. honestly. Yeah. We had some guys there that really got overlooked by this league. And I think, yeah, Julio Jones had a nice little career and all, and A.J. Brown's got off to a good start. But, man, go look at those guys at Toledo. Go, go look at those guys that I had. Those rockets that we had there were amazing. Ooh. I mean, That, that would have been a noteworthy thing. quote right. that would have been worth running with with local media, that's for uh, sure. Yeah, exactly. There was one drill, Hutton, I wanted to mention that uh, I, I get baffled by it, right? They, they have uh, the receivers lining up against the DBs. Mm -hmm. They snap the ball. There's a quarterback there, guy in a different colored jersey. He's dropping back, and he's assessing the thing. And he cocks his arm, and then the play's over. There's no throw. You know, and I, I, Mike Vrabel's a smart guy. He's a lot smarter than me. There's got to be a reason there's no throw. But when I'm watching the drill, I'm like, why in the hell is there no throw? Like, it would seem to me this play would have a better conclusion if there was a throw made and a receiver either made or didn't make a catch or a cornerback defended it or didn't defend it. So I asked Vrabel about it. It was a good answer. He said, it's a, it's a drill about bunch formations. And so it's about the offensive guys doing their thing to break break out mm -hmm. the quarterback getting his read on those breakouts and the separations and reading through the progression of those guys separating and the cornerbacks sorting through the cornerbacks and defensive backs sorting through how they divide up the responsibilities coming out of those complex formulas dave mcginnis talks about those those uh what's he call them like uh a pool break uh, yeah. like when, you're, when you're breaking a rack um, a lot. And Rabel says at the end of that, it, it, that's not really what we're working on at all, the throw. We're working on sorting through offensively and defensively those bunch formations. Uh, and, and that's what it's about. So I was very interested in It in still that. seems like that's a great explanation. Why it still not seems like it would be better throw. just to throw it, even after sorting through it mentally instead of, not throwing it. But the guys are kind of done once they break out of the the jumble. Once they read. Right. So they're not really going and finishing yeah. the route or finishing the defense. They're making sure that they're getting out of the jumble. Um, so I found that interesting as a camp note. Uh, where are they lacking? And uh, not at we can say kicker and yeah. backup quarterback. Or Offensive line depth is, is, is a problem. These guys like Herring and uh, on the and, interior and Munyer. Munyer's not been good. Munyer's not a few snapped, bad snaps too. Snapped well uh, yeah. at all. I think they're missing Brewer, who I, I know that they're high on, and he was on the injured list coming into camp. I don't know what that is or what his timetable is. I think they're missing him. Sam Brilo, who just came back, has been said to be uh, you know swing tackle guard. 
that guy that uh, is a valuable guy that can play both inside and outside hasn't been there to contribute at guard. So Raidens has even been playing some guard while he's not been developing on the course that they would like. Um, I think that's a trouble spot. And we've said all along that the backups to Nate Davis and Roger Saffold didn't look very promising. I don't know who they are right now, but I, I think that's a problem spot. Uh, I would think Brewer will be prominent there uh, as a guard. I don't know if he could play center or not. They could use a backup center. A lot of people are talking about these centers they picked up off the street. I don't think you're finding an answer at backup center if the guy's available in the middle of training camp. Um, but that's a spot I would be concerned about uh, right now for sure. What about middle linebacker? What about um, inside linebacker with yeah. Rashawn Evans and, and uh, Jayon Brown? I, I, mean, think, I think they've been fine. They've been who they are. Yeah, I think they've been who they are. Uh, Rice mm -hmm. uh, is somebody that they're clearly looking at, hopefully. Uh, they, they, they've been high on him since the draft, obviously, so they're rooting. Mm -hmm. in a big, I mean, they root for everybody, but you know what I'm saying. They, they really have special eyes for him. He thudded uh, pretty good once the pads were on, and David Long is there with them. You know, somebody's uh, asking me for uh, to announce Will Compton after I uh, reported on a fullback that they signed today. I don't see where there's need for Will Compton on this team. They're four deep with Long and Rice now, and that's what you need to be there. And Long and Rice need to be key special teamers, and I, I, I think will be. So I think they're in pretty good shape there. The question is... You know, when Vrabel first started playing and never started for Pittsburgh for those first four years, he basically, when you hear him tell stories about it, had a series, you know, on, on defense um, for each of the inside linebackers, mm -hmm. maybe in each, each half, ultimately, you know, to, to rest them. Is that something we could see for somebody like Monty Rice? You know, if they're that high on Monty Rice, is he going to come in and, and all of a sudden you'll just see him there for Evans or see him there for Brown as opposed to, to in a specific nickel role or something? I don't know, but, but that's something I would look out for. I, I would hope that the, the view for him is if, if, if Jayon busts his elbow up again and can't go for a five-week span, Bam. He gives you a much better option than what we have seen from David Long. Like that's and David Long needs to. Uh, David Long was very good at the end of his rookie year. David Long was pretty damn good in the Baltimore game at Baltimore in the playoffs. And then last year, David Long regressed, and, I, and he wasn't nearly as good. I think so. I, I think, think David Dean Long did a really good job of, of finding where David Long would contribute at a high level. And they got away from that last year. So yeah. in their off-season discussions about David Long, did they were they able to recognize what Pease was able to do, what what the failures were last year with him, and can they get him back on that track? Or are they just saying, you know, he wasn't good enough and Monty Rice is, is the next guy? They've been pretty good at inside linebacker with middle-round picks. Mm -hmm. Going back to Avery Williamson, to Jayon Brown, Long flashed at the end of that first year, and now Monty Rice. So you hope Long can pick it up and Rice can be another one of those guys. And then you'd have a pretty nice string of guys. And the one guy who's disappointed the most is the guy who spent the most valuable pick on. Is John Simon getting the Bud Dupree reps? 
I think that they're getting spread out, but he's he's in there. And my eyes are not drawn to that spot with any regularity because there's not anything coming out of there. But I mentioned yesterday, I mean, we saw even Ola Idiniyi uh, in that spot beating Dylan Radins. That would have been, you know, second team probably. And that was with Landry also out of the practice. At lowest, with Landry out of the practice. So... There are a lot of snaps for a lot of those guys to shuffle through and and get work at. And I don't think we're going to have a real sense of pecking order until we see some some games. Down in Tampa Bay, when I'm talking to you guys, I, I will be able to – I think there will be some meaning in how they line up in, in, those, uh, in those drills. And then, um, you know, we'll take – well, we have an Atlanta game before that. Mm-hmm. So I think there will be some meaning in that. And uh, wide receivers, going back to your comment, Paul, about Woodside liking his wide receiver group, uh, what's not to like based on the report? I mean, I'm, and I'm not even talking about A.J. And, and Julio. I mean, just as you start to rattle off the depth and the youth and even, you know, Marcus Johnson, five-year vet, these guys are showing up. I was listing five guys together for a while. I, I am taking Marcus Johnson and Chester Rogers out of that. Those are the two guys right now that – you should be excited about that are, are turning head. They're consistently productive day to day, and they're also running high day mm-hmm. to day. You know, after that, I'd put Des Fitzpatrick, Westbrook Aquina, uh, McMath, and McMath. And McMath has gotten a lot of hype. McMath will climb the ladder and go go do something. But I I would probably put McMath at the tail end of that. Though those three are not getting as many reception opportunities now as they were early. Batson, I feel like, you know, he's getting some catch opportunities. I just feel like Batson and Kinsey don't fit as short guys. They'd be a, a, such an exception. Unless one of them really stands out as the as the punt returner, I feel like they're, they're, they don't fit the mold, and they're not looking for an exception. Now, Batson is is a little bit of an interesting guy because he's got the jet sweep element to him, and I don't know that they have that somewhere else. So I wonder if Chester Rogers couldn't do that because he's very much a slot guy, and he's got the punt return experience. And he's in the mix. Yeah, me, I was going to say he's me, in the mix it there. Makes me feel like um, you know. I did ask Vrabel about that yesterday. He said, you know, experience isn't the whole thing there. Um, but I mean. Those other guys don't have a- any experience uh, at, at the pro level, and I just barely early con- in the barely season. I think it does doesn't, matter. Doesn't sell me on it. And you put Batson back there, and he drops one early, and then where are you going? Yep. And they have. I mean, they have top end talent on their roster that has who have punt and kick return experience. Evans, Darrington Evans has kick return experience. But, you know, kick return and punt return are two vastly different No, I'm saying, and you don't want to put your starters out there, but they did with Adoree. They, they've got two defensive backs that return punts in college at a very high level. Farley and Fulton both did it. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could think about Fulton if you're totally healthy, but, again, then you're just a twisted ankle away from Fulton being Yeah, but they're clearly not corner. thinking about it. Yeah. I, I think if you were thinking about it, you'd throw them back there yeah, once in a while to do it, it at this early stage, and they haven't done that. Adam Schefter on Twitter just now uh, at Patriots camp, Patriots head coach Bill Belichick asked why he's t- why his team practiced in the rain today. We're about them practicing the rain. His quote, this is very Belichickian, and I love it. If it rains, it rains. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If it's hot, it's hot. If it's not, then that's what it is. End quote. 
from Bill Belichick. Perfection. I feel like Mike Reese needs to turn this into a children's book. Well, you know? the, the first response is from faux John Madden, who's, <laughs> who puts Belichick continued, and it's a gif of Ivan Drago saying, if he dies, he dies. <laughs> Below that. So news here. That's also perfect. The Titans are cutting Deshaun Kaiser. Okay. So Kaiser, that's good news because there's no one deemed is what that means. Uh, so that's the first worry out of the books. And, and this was the, the logical point that I was making is it sounds like Kaiser wasn't pushing for the gig to be the backup and therefore they're bringing someone else in to push Logan Woodside for the backup job behind Ryan Tannehill, much like we're seeing with Sam Ficken uh, pushing for the job at kicker. Uh, if you're not getting it done, Robinson's not going to wait around. He's not waiting for a preseason game. There needs to be some consistency uh, day in and day out at camp. Kaiser wasn't giving them that. Coming up, 360 Parlay. PK is in studio, which means he's going to give you a winner. That and another headline. Straight ahead, Outkick 360. All rise for the Yankees tonight. 360 Parlay. FanDuel.com slash OK360. PK with the parlay. We're taking the Yankees' money line, Paul. Yankees are going to have a big night tonight. They just beat up on the Orioles, scored a bunch of runs. Anthony Rizzo will have a hit. Uh, the game will include over nine and a half runs. Nestor Cortez, who's not much of a strikeout order artist, will not strike out 5.5 batters under five and a half. And the Yankees on the money line. That's $5. It'll return 25 12 It's plus 402 You're welcome. Get it done. You can join us. FanDuel.com slash OK360. You can also, if you're a first-time user, make up to a $1,000 risk-free bet right now with FanDuel.com. Just use the code OK360 slash OK360. FanDuel.com. Risk-free bet up to $1,000. If you lose, you get your bet Back in site credit. If you win, you win. You you can keep the cash. So it's like, risk it's like free. The, it's like Belichick. Risk free. If you win, you win. If it rains, it rains. If it's hot, it's hot. If you win, you win. And if you lose, you win. Something you else that absolutely will not be happening. Get the credit back. Uh, right now is we will not be acknowledging our recent record in our parlays. That's not going to happen. I tried segment. to mix in some Olympics there, uh, but I, I couldn't get it's things to, to combine in a parlay. Well, you know, Jacob tried to do that yesterday and then ended up parlaying some things that happened later tonight. You know that, so it's just it's it's hard to keep up with the schedule. The this way was it is. Uh, at six forty eight in the morning tomorrow. What I wanted uh, in there, but uh, wouldn't work. Uh, today, final day for Sarah Triplett, great production assistant for Outkick three hundred and sixty. One of the best we've had. Period over the years. Uh, excellent work by Sarah on a lot of the graphics that you see. The majority of the graphics that you've seen, uh, and we'll see for the future, for that matter. Uh, but very eager uh, to get after it and uh, very versatile. Um, so props to Sarah for what's been a fun summer. Mississippi State uh, is where she attends college. She's getting back to the cowbell, Cowbells, uh, what, next week? Is that right? That's yeah. Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. She's headed back tomorrow to Not Mississippi State. Time. So um, she got some big events She worked up. up till the very last minute. Yeah, uh, and then great. doubled up we towards the end. You. You've done great work. We appreciate you. I, if I'm remembering correctly, when we were out last week and I kind of did a little bit of an exit interview with both of our departers, I, uh, I said, what'd you learn? Uh, and one of the first things she said was a lot of graphic stuff. And I said, you made it sound like when you got here, you knew a lot of it. And she said, yeah, I, I kind of lied. And I well, said, that is key. a really good strategy. Yeah. When we say, hey, can you put this graphic together? 
She said yes, even though she did not know how to do it. And then she went and figured out how to do it, and she did it in short order. That's how you be a good production assistant, commendable, and all our next people should do it. Well, in many cases, Chad, before the person figures out you can't do it, if you're willing to learn, if you're yeah, willing to think you can do it. figure it out, you'll figure it out before they realize you, you really didn't know how to do it. I, well, thought, I thought she was an outstanding graphics person from the first day. Well, great actors will do that. They'll put on their resume they can ride a horse or they can tap dance or they can uh, you know, do Russian ballet. Juggle. Or all these different things and skills, just because they want to get the, the Joey Tribbiani. They want to go to the rehearsal, right? So yeah. they want to say they can do that. So yeah, lie to us if you're an intern <laughs> and uh, figure it out along the as way. As long That's as you're smart enough to figure it out, the way. Yeah. she certainly has been. Well, uh, Sarah and Regan, both of our our summer interns, were both very smart and very capable, and uh, they figured it out as they went along the way. And Jake, what's, Jake was awesome. Jake too was here great for a too. Month. We only had Jake for a month, but he was terrific. It was. What's cool about Sarah, Sarah laughs uh, right now for some reason as we say that. Um, Sarah spoke in our voice quickly, which is not easy to do for, how old are you, Sarah? 19. 19-year-old girl that's in college, right? So I think that takes some ability uh, on social media to immediately come in and get with the flow of the show and understand our language, sports language, everything else for anyone is difficult, and she nailed it from the start. We'll miss and you. she was also Thank quick you. to uh, put a graphic together for us whenever we sent her info. She would have it done quickly yeah. and ready to go. So Paul's right on that. She a was very, excellent with the graphic. A very unique look. It'll be interesting to see if our new crop uh, try to mimic it or if we have a totally new look next week. We have, we've had a lot of good interns over the years in our, our decade of being a show together. We've had a few really bad ones. Um, Sarah's right up there as one of the best interns. I do feel like, though, just to sort of balance it out, we don't like to be too happy all the time on this show. We should spend some time really dissecting the worst interns in show history and just go through. And then maybe at some point, this is not for football season, maybe after football season, we do a check-in. We go back to our worst interns, we put them on Zoom, and we find out what they're doing now and see if they've successfully moved past their awful internship with us. That's the next step. I don't have the numbers for those bad interns. We could find them. I've got names. I've got numbers. Paul doesn't have the them. numbers for the good ones Will either. You give, I matter. do. Will you give the guy, the one guy a shirt if we zoom in? <laughs> uh, oh, oh. Micah? Buttons for the shirt. Buttons. Yeah. yeah, possibly. Reed, Jacob, great job today. Shout out again to Blackbird Studio and the Blackbird Academy. Uh, thank them. We thank them constantly, but we really thank them today as we get towards the end of the week. If you missed the interview with John McBride, go check that out uh, on the podcast. You can check that out on the YouTube replay. YouTube subscriptions have been really good. We're, we're yeah. building that channel over the last month. Over 2,000 right now, and uh, the numbers keep climbing every day. So please uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. You'll get that alert. People asking why they didn't get the alert the last two days. We're working on it. Yeah. We'll find out the reason for that, but you should be getting that alert if you subscribe to YouTube. Maybe YouTube hates us. Who knows? Uh, we've probably done something to make them mad that we didn't even know about. But we'll figure it out, and we'll get that alert to you. But please, subscribe to the Outkick 360 YouTube channel. At the end of the month, we will be drawing a winner to any subscriber. It's open to any subscriber to the YouTube channel by searching out Outkick 360. You subscribe, you ring the bell, you know we go live each and every day at noon Eastern. By doing so, you're automatically entered to win what you see on your screen. The Sony and Hertz Odyssey prize pack. You get the Sony 
uh, Apple Play car stereo system along with the Hertz Audison amp and sub and speaker system. It's a fantastic value of over $2,500. You'll win that. One lucky subscriber will win that just by subscribing to the channel and hitting the alert button on YouTube for OutKick 360. We're back at it tomorrow on what is going to be a jam-packed show. Brent Hubs and Austin Price with the very latest from Knoxville as the Vols are in camp and they're practicing on the field with Josh Heupel. We also have Paul back at Titans practice with the very latest from Metro Center. We hope you'll join us for OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Don't block the box, but do lock your locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.